love it if you'd stand and worship with us this morning. We're going to sing Shout to the Lord.
invite you to pass the peace to one another this morning. Greet one another. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, my name is Fred Dodini, and uh, uh, Bonnie invited me to come here to share a song with you this morning. Uh, it's a story. It's taken from the Gospel of John. It's about an episode in the Savior's life when a young woman was brought to him for judgment. She'd been caught in the act of adultery. And as you all know the story, we know how it ended with forgiveness, with a change of life, a change of heart. Well, this song, the writer wanted to tell the rest of the story. What may have happened in her life after that chance meeting with the Savior. She had to go home. She was a different person. She had a different future in mind. And she had to share her experience. Maybe to someone who wasn't prepared to hear that message. But maybe this is what happened in her life as well as in his as a result of that experience. begins to 
things and leave you. Yes, I have to leave this land. And I cried for her because I couldn't understand why she was leaving me to join this other man. So I cursed her and I struggled to forget my lover's face. And I despised that man from Nazareth who came and took my place, preaching love your enemies, my brothers, treat them in your place. But the years have taught me many things. Among them, most of all, that I could share the love she felt, not knowing him at all. Yes, the love I've kept for you alone, my Mary, now I know. Man who took your love from me is asking for my own to walk a path that few have chosen his seed of love to sow. So, my Mary, I will join you love begins to Welcome to our contemporary worship service. We are so glad to have you this morning. I am Pastor Jill, and we will hear today from Pastors Paul and Mary Eileen, who will be sharing with us the final sermon in our series, Doing a New Thing, a Change in the Church, a Time of Transition. So we look forward to welcoming our new lead pastor, Pastor Nicole Caldwell-Gross, next Sunday. She's starting here tomorrow. Our staff's looking forward to welcoming her. So we look forward to seeing her, and you have a chance to get to know her at our meet-and-greet time. So if you go to our website, click on her picture, you'll be taken to a place you can sign up for a time and date that works best for you. So continuing our announcements for this morning, I want to make sure that you know, too, that next Sunday is her first Sunday with us at all three services, and also Promotion Sunday for our children's ministry. So if you have a kiddo who's moving up 
in a grade, you want to make sure to check out um, the website and make sure that they end up in the right place next week. And of course, if you have questions, uh, find Allie Hall next week and she'll get you to the right place. And we also have a new Bible study starting tomorrow evening at 6.30. That is in the parlor. It's going to be on Ephesians. So if you need a book, they are in the office, and you can sign up to attend that online as well. We have a new school year starting. We're looking forward to blessing our teachers and school workers here in just a little bit in the service. But with back to school also means a starting up again of our Kids Hope USA program. So if you are interested in being a mentor or a prayer partner, please let us know. Again, go to the website and click on that for more information. And of course, we invite you to go to the website, click on the next steps graphic, and that will take you to pretty much anything you want to know about life here at Noblesville First and what we are doing in the community and beyond. And make sure today to fill out your connection card for us that you received on the way in. You'll have a chance to drop it in this basket here in a little while. And make sure you note the opportunities on the back of that to get involved here with our mini ministries. And now let's take a moment and uh, watch our stewardship video, which lets us see some of the great things happening around here. Hi, I'm David McKenzie, student minister at Fort Noble High School. And I'm with one of our student leaders, Hayden. Hey, Hayden. How's it going? And Football Fridays is back uh, this year. So, Hayden, what's one of your favorite memories from Football Fridays? I would say one of my favorite memories would be getting the free pizza after playing at the football games and then also uh, being able to place uh, some nine square afterwards. Yeah, ab absolutely. We're going to have all of that uh, back this year, nine square, pizza. Um, the only difference is it's not going to be here in the Vine. It's going to be at the new community center uh, there by the new football field, which is so exciting. It's a huge space. Uh, we're super excited to be able to have that space available. Uh, so nine square, cornhole, pizza, and a ton of other fun games. Um, we're just going to have a blast uh, doing football Fridays again. So uh, the first football Friday is August 19th. And if you have any interest in volunteering or in getting more information on how to be a part, reach out to Student Ministries. Thank you. For the many ways you continue to support our youth and children's ministries, if you saw a bunch of wet children running around this morning, they were taking part in our Sunday Splash, and we had a great time last night at the Back to School Bash here in the parking lot. Uh, if you missed it, David and I both got pied in the face. So uh, you might see that on social media floating around, and we'll maybe get that up on the screen at some point. But thank you all for your continued support of everything we're doing here to fellowship with our youth and our children. At this time, I'm going to invite anyone who is a teacher, school worker, administrator, volunteer, whatever you are that has to do with back to school, come on up. We want to give you a blessing and a little gift as we send you back to school. Don't be shy. Just two of you today. Small and mighty, right? All right. So we're going to do quick introductions. Tell us your name and your role and position, where you are. Um, I'm Amanda Lindorf, and I teach music at an elementary school in Anderson. Lori Emmert, and I'm a preschool teacher right over here at White River Elementary. 
All right, great. And my son starts first grade at uh, Sand Creek Elementary with Hamilton Southeastern, so be in prayer for us as well. And all of our kids, of course, are going back to school. So here in a little bit, you're going to have a really easy response, congregation, and that's, we thank you, Lord. I'll let you know when that's coming. So this Sunday, as we are preparing for the school bells to ring, we remember and give thanks for our school systems, our teachers, our aides, principals, librarians, custodians, cafeteria workers, for all of those volunteers, those crossing guards, security, everything that makes our schools happen. And we want to give thanks and bless you. We pray that you all are refreshed, hopefully, from the summer months. and remembering the importance of your role. And as we gather this morning, we remember our own baptismal vows to have peace and strive for justice among all people, respecting the dignity of each human being. And the right to an education is such a justice issue. Today, we pray God's blessing upon your work and these people who are sharing their knowledge, passion, compassion, and patience with our students and our children. So for all school workers, teachers, counselors, bus drivers, cafeteria workers, volunteers, security workers, and administrators, say, we thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. For all students in preschool, elementary school, high school, college, or vocational school, for all of their different talents and gifts, and for their insights and commitment to learning, We thank you, Lord, for all people who give of their time, talents, and guidance to our students. We thank you, Lord. We remember those who will prepare for school without backpacks to fill, and those throughout the world who only have yet a dream of being a student someday. We pray for them. We share what we have, that we all may become who God is calling us to be. Let us pray. Holy God, send your spirit a blessing upon each person standing before you today. As they are sent into a new school year, give them patience, courage, peace, compassion, and knowledge that they will continue to grow in the knowledge of your love and grace. We ask that your spirit of protection would be upon all who work in schools and upon our children and youth. Give us each opportunities to learn, grow, and be nurtured in your care so that we will be about being and building your kingdom here. We give thanks for all who are in the business of helping others to grow. We ask this all in the name of Jesus Christ. And all the people said, Amen. So these are little magnet bookmarks. You can either stick them somewhere on your magnetic something in your classroom or in your book that you're reading or whatever you need for some encouragement. So feel free to pick one out. And we hope that you will be encouraged and blessed this school year. Let's give them a hand. Praise God. (laughs) Thank you all so much. Now I invite Pastor Paul to come up and share scripture and a word with us. Thank you. Would you like your pen? Those are hard to come by. (laughs) Our scripture for this morning comes from Acts. Acts 9, 
1 through 9 and 31. It's about the conversion of Saul that was not only a key transformational moment for him, but as he willingly embraced it, he transformed the known world through his missionary journeys that were instrumental in spreading Christianity. And it goes like this. Meanwhile, Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus so that if he found any who belonged to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now as he was going along and approaching Damascus, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him and he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? He asked, Who are you, Lord? The reply came, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But get up and enter the city, and you will be told what you are to do. The men who were traveling with him stood speechless because they heard the voice, but they saw no one. Saul got up from the ground, and though his eyes were open, he could see nothing. So they led him to, by the hand and brought him to Damascus. For three days he was without sight and neither ate nor drank. Meanwhile, the church throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria had peace and was built up, living in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it increased in numbers. Thanks be to God for the gift of scripture. Well, good morning. I felt like I shouldn't say that before, you know, before I read the scripture. But it's been a great morning. Mary Eileen have been at uh, Teeter Farm Chapel uh, with Jill. And uh, then we've been in the sanctuary. And now we're here. And uh, so we've got to meet a lot of people and greet a lot of people we already know, meet new people. Uh, and uh, I've been doing that outside the sanctuary for the last, I don't know, maybe six weeks. I just thought, you know, the choir season, when it got over, I thought, I don't have any place else to be. That'd be a good place to be, just to meet people, which is important. But I noticed something that was going on. And it, it went like this. Somebody would come in and I'd think, I think I know those people, maybe. <laughs> and then they would, I would say, good morning, and they would kind of stop and pause, and then they'd go, oh, squinting at my name tag just to see who it was who was saying good morning to them. So since that happened, I thought this would be a good time for me to reintroduce myself or introduce myself. So I am Paul Ernst, one of the pastoral care pastors here at Noblesville First, and um, with working well many, many times with Mary Eileen Spence, who is one of the other pastoral care pastors. And uh, we're grateful to be here, Joel. <laughs> Thank you. Well, our scripture says Saul went to the high priest and asked for those letters to the synagogue. So if he found anybody, men or women, he could bring them bound to Jerusalem. And my question is, how was it that Saul had it in for those people? I know he didn't agree with their beliefs, about the way of Christ, that, was, that seems obvious. But breathing threats, really? He kind of hated those people, didn't he? 
he, but the thing is, when I read that, I don't feel like he, he actually knew them. But here he was really biased against them. And he wanted them arrested. He wanted to arrest them himself. And that all reminds me of something that I have learned along the way, being a pastor. Sometimes you just you meet people and they just put you off a little bit. And there's only one cure for that that I have found. And that is to get to know them really well, get to know them very personally as individuals. And when you do, it's almost impossible to keep the, to hold those feelings. So the better I know people, the more I appreciate them, and the more difficult it is for me to hold on to whatever the misgivings or fears or biases or misunderstandings might have been. It really is easy for that to happen, to have those misunderstandings about those that we don't know very much. When I first became a pastor, I was in that place where I knew I would be going someplace, but they hadn't told me where yet, and this was the first time. And I was waiting on pins and needles to hear about where I would be going. And when I found out where I was being sent, I was shocked. I was going to the church where the pastor who I was following was Pastor Ruby. I was very nervous about this appointment. It wasn't about the neighborhood where the church was. It, it wasn't anything about the, I, that I knew about the congregation. It wasn't that I was afraid of being on my own for the very first time. Well, maybe a little. But really, my main concern was that this person that I had to follow was Pastor Ruby. Everyone in the conference knew who Pastor Ruby was. She was a force of nature. She was well-loved, but with great respect. And they had the respect was in much part for her ability to make things happen. And also she was known for, known for never taking no for an answer. And she was also known for the fact that she would suffer no fools, but in the end, the fools that she wouldn't suffer ended up loving her. I could never rise to the level of Pastor Ruby. That was my problem. I was nervous. But here's the thing. I knew of Pastor Ruby, but I never actually met her. She was a monumental and frightening person of unfathomable experience. And here was the kind of stuff Pastor Ruby was made out of. And I found this out after I began my appointment. Ruby had hired the current church secretary without discussing it with church leadership. That would be the staff parish relations team, the board. But Pastor Ruby could get away with that stuff. But why did she do it? I learned that this had been a matter of pastoral care for the person that she hired. So it was apparently an action of her, of her heart. So now this recent hire was a member of my staff and as the new pastor of the church, I had heard a lot more than I wanted to 
about Pastor Ruby, to whom she obviously, this person was very grateful. Pastor Ruby does, did, does this this way, and she does that that way, and you're filing those things wrong, and you've got to sign these things today, and we've got to send down. Finally, I had enough. And I vowed to have a conversation with that church secretary the very next morning. And the very next morning came, and I walked in, and she said, I'm having lunch with Pastor Ruby today. Would you like to go? Ay, ay, ay. Well, I almost didn't, but, you know, I just, I had one of those Holy Spirit moments where I just felt this nudge, say yes, say yes, I don't want to, I don't want to, say yes. So I said yes. But you know that lunch went really great and it turned into a regular uh, monthly meal with Pastor Ruby and I got to know the real Ruby behind the reputation. And she was a very experienced pastor. Not the scary person that I was afraid to follow. And I, I really grew to like her. And not only that, I greatly benefited from her experiences because she shared many things with me that a pastor ought to know and especially things about people so I got to know the person God created not the person my bias and imagination had produced you know we can be constrained in our, our thinking by what we don't know about a person or a people and then just fill in those blanks out of our own ignorance but sometimes things might work a little bit differently. Sometimes we can maybe already know someone really well and appreciate them for who they are, and then somewhere along the way, they change. And we find out we, didn't, we don't know them anymore. And once again, we are thrown into that spot where it's left to our faulty imagination as to whom they may have become. My younger brother James was someone like that. He was two years younger than me, better looking, more intelligent, a good athlete. He lettered in basketball. He went to Arizona State University and he pledged a fraternity and he did all the things that our parents expected of all three of us children. And he was in that group of people that you know. You know they are headed for success in life. He was a really great brother. But while at ASU, he got connected somehow with drugs and drug dealers. And I've never learned how that happened. Over time, these things came to define his life, his marriage, his relationship with our parents and my sister and I. And he was deep into that drug world for a number of years. And Judy, my sister, and I simply did not understand him. And we even came to fear how he might affect our parents and us. And for long periods of time, we didn't know what, where he was or what he was doing until one day we received word that he'd been in a terrible accident on the interstate in Kansas. He was taken to a hospital where he was in the ICU for a very long time, and he nearly died. The authorities were out investigating whatever it was that he had been doing when he got in that accident, hoping to talk to him, but they couldn't because he was unconscious and 
unable to respond. But I guess while he lay there, unconscious, and perhaps later after he regained consciousness, and it was looking like he might recover, something had happened to him. He emerged from that accident a changed person. But my sister Judy and I didn't know this because he didn't share it with us. And as far as we know, he went right back to his old ways, and we didn't hear much from him again for several years. And then one day, Judy and I were both contacted by the Pinell County, Arizona Hispanic Society. Well, we're not Hispanic. But we were invited to visit them in Coolidge, Arizona. And the meeting was to share with us what our brother James had been doing for them. So we toured their facility. We heard what a difference he was making in the lives of many Hispanic people at the center. And I guess I wasn't shocked. I was what we say gobsmacked. Complete strangers brought the three of us back together again. We toured the building and we learned that he was involved, especially with those folks who had addiction problems. And afterwards, we had a sibling reunion at a restaurant, and we got to know our brother all over again and learn what God had been doing in his life. And it is amazing what you can do when God gets your attention, like after a nearly fatal accident, I guess. We could see that James was truly a changed person. He wasn't just talking the talk, he was walking the walk. And not and, and by the end of his journey in this world, which ended not too many weeks ago, the last few years of that journey of which Judy and I journeyed a bit with him, she and I felt that we were also somehow changed. And of course, there were those people at the Hispanic Center, and we later learned people in other places whose lives that he had changed, had, he had made a difference. But before any of that could happen, he had to go through his own transformation. So this puts me in mind again of our scripture. Saul was breathing threats and murder. He was a man filled with hate and bias for people he didn't really know. He was not a nice person. He was making questionable decisions. It was probably uh, so much easier for him to paint the people of the way with his brush of hatred and bias and dislike and disgust because they weren't like him, at the very least in their beliefs. It wasn't until this amazing thing happened to him, this amazing converting call from Christ who said to him, why do you persecute me? that Saul was forever changed. And almost that very day, he began to understand the damage he was doing and that he'd been making those decisions because he didn't have a personal relationship with Christ. Not to mention, he didn't really know those followers of Jesus as the children of God that they actually were. Now, Saul's incredible conversion experience was an amazing thing and people still report today report experiences kind of like that very powerful experiences but 
I'm going to go out on a limb and say that those who have such experiences probably are the exception to the rule. But even when the experience is a more measured step-by-step -step change, meaningful personal transformation can still, can still take place and does take place. You don't have to be on the road to Damascus. My brother James may have had a powerful conversion experience while he was in the ICU, perhaps while praying for his own healing. But for many of us, our transformations come in these small, more modest steps. And the wonderful thing is that such transformations of other people can happen, and they can begin with you and me. When someone meets a Christian like us, who is willing to take the time to get to know them, a stranger, and to nurture that acquaintance into a friendship. And that friendship toward a relationship with the community of Christ that ultimately, hopefully leads to a personal relationship with Jesus Christ for that person. It's only the fear of the unknown or perhaps the misunderstanding that breeds bias that can short circuit that first small step of greeting a stranger just as it was fear and misunderstanding of who Jesus was that blinded Saul. It took the dramatic meeting with Jesus, that conversation on the Damascus Road, to get Saul on his new path. There are plenty of people, plenty of people out there right now who could be in here if we just have the courage to start the conversation and not shy away from it out of our own reticence or fear of failing. So let us lift up a prayer about our fears of the unknown. Let's pray. Lord, may our fears be allayed. May we always be awake and sensitive to the needs ever surrounding us. May we meet them head on with the love and energy that comes through the converting call of you, our Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. script, I want to take a moment to thank Jill for all her work over these last weeks of making sure we keep moving forward as a congregation and as she tried to help prepare us for Nicole, who comes tomorrow. I was remiss. I didn't do it at Teeter. I did do it in there. I did ask the congregation to thank you. Give her a thanks. It's not easy to be an interim pastor, no matter how long or how short. And so, thank you for your efforts. I'm not quite as tall as you. Well, I'm the postscript not only to Paul's sermon, but I'm the postscript to the whole series that we have done 
over this time while we are waiting for Nicole to start tomorrow, Pastor Nicole, and as we bid farewell to Jerry, that there was this transition period in our life, and so Jill titled our series, Doing a New Thing, A Church in Transition. And over the last eight weeks, we have had heard people speak to us about those kinds of things that happen during a transition. And the scripture, the main focus scripture that all of the pastors and speakers were to reflect upon as they preached was this. I am about to do a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. And we went through different topics each week. And in fact, that scripture was used in the first week of preaching as we talked about a new thing. And what is God going to do with us as individuals? And what is God going to do with us as a community of faith known as Noblesville First United Methodist Church? And then we went on to the next topic, which was a land I will show you. And in those sermons we were to hear about how we were to trust God to show us the new places that God wanted us to go and not to fear going there because God was with us. And in our third sermon, we heard about crossing the river and what keeps us from crossing over to do new things and going to new places since we technically won't really be crossing a river, but we will be crossing into a new beginning. We will be crossing into doing new things perhaps in Noblesville as Nicole brings her leadership to us. And so what might make us hesitant? So we needed to begin to look how to prepare ourselves to be open to the new things that might come. And right along with that then came, how does our new calling for each of us work? How are we to fit into that? What is the new calling that God is perhaps calling us to do at this point, or as the next sermon said, in the new season of the life of this church? Are we going to be called to continue to do the same thing, or is there something different that we are going to be called to do, the same as we are called to do in the different seasons of our individual lives. And then um, two weeks ago, we were talked about um, how God uses ordinary people to do extraordinary things. The church is made up of each of us. We are individuals who bring different gifts and talents to the life of the church. So we have to have um, all of that meshed together, but God uses you. He chose you, and John, it says in the 15th chapter, the 17th verse, I believe, I have chosen you. You did not choose me. I choose you for this new calling. And so what are you going to be led to do in this new calling? And last week, Sunita, um, Conference Superintendent Sunita, brought us a word about, once again, not being too anxious and not fearing, because, as Isaiah 41 says, do not fear, I will go with you. I will hold your hand as you do 
this new thing, which leads us to Paul's sermon today about conversion. And did you know that conversion is just another word for change? Don't get hung up on the word conversion, but I do want to share with you a definition of conversion from the New Interpreter's Dictionary of the Bible. While there is indeed much ambiguity regarding what conversion actually entails, it is clear that the biblical notion of conversion involves a change in lifestyle that results from turning or returning to the biblical God. As you heard in the story of Saul, he had a dramatic conversion and changed overnight. This Paul did not in this one particular case. He had a revelation as he got to know someone. God uses different conversion experiences to um, change us as individuals, and both individuals changed for the better. Look what happened when Saul changed, the world was changed, and I'm sure Paul has changed his world greatly. He has changed mine for sure. Both entail God's grace. And because we have God's grace, we can move forward, folks, as we come to tomorrow to greet Pastor Nicole. And First Thessalonians says this in the closing verses of those chapters by the Apostle Paul. It says, May the God of peace himself sanctify you entirely, and may your spirit and soul and body be kept sound and blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is fearful, and he will do this. John Wesley, our founding founder, described grace as this real quick. Provenient grace is that wooing grace that brings you to the justifying grace when you are converted like Saul was converted to say, yes, God, I want to live in your ways. And the last one is sanctifying grace. The sanctifying grace talked about in these last verses. And that's the grace that continually works in us to convert us on a daily basis, to change us more powerfully into the image of God. And so conversion needs to keep happening. Hans Kuhn, a Swiss theologian and priest who just passed away in the year 2021, so he is a more recent theologian. I'm not quoting the ancients, but someone who recognized, as quoted by Bishop William Willimon, he said, we are to preach metanoia. That's the Greek word for conversion. We must entice people from the world to God. We are not to shut ourselves off from the world in a spirit of asceticism. And asceticism is you really self-discipline yourself to really reach new spiritual heights, and you're more inward than outward. But rather, Hans says, we are to live in the everyday world inspired by the radical obedience that is demanded by the love of God. The church must be reformed again and again, converted again and again. Did you hear it? There's that word, converted again and again, each day in order that it may fulfill its task. You and I need to be open to God's conversion each and every day. What new thing is God wanting us to learn about ourselves and our faith journey with God as we go forward and leave this place to help transform the world? And we are tomorrow going to greet a new pastor. How are we going to receive Nicole? And how is 
Nicole going to receive us? It's a reciprocal thing. How are we going to work together to hear our Lord convert us, to sanctify us, if you will, to help us to grow more fully in our faith journey so we can go out to make disciples for Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world right where we are placed. I don't know about you, but I am excited to get to know Nicole. I hope you are as equally excited to get to know Cole and that together as we get to know each other and are converted to do new things for Jesus Christ, that great things will happen in our community of faith and within our own souls as we continue to follow faithfully the calling of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Thank you both for your messages. We enter into a new season together. Pastor Paul, as you were preaching, I remembered Brene Brown, who says, people are hard to hate close up, move in, right? That's easy to remember as we journey forward and to the unknown, right? So we're going to do a quick time of prayer, and then we'll go right into communion and uh, to continue to fellowship and pray together. So let's have a few moments of silence, followed by a pastoral prayer, and then we'll say the Lord's Prayer as we get ready to take communion together. Let's pray. God of every season, we thank you for the opportunities that we have to venture into the unknown, to get to know someone new and to hear stories, to learn about one another, and know that our assumptions are not always the correct ones, and that we may trust in you to guide us when we feel unsure. And so, God, we give thanks for the journey we have been on and the journey that we will continue to have together. And, Lord, today, we, we, as we bless our teachers and our students to go back to school, there may be anxieties or heavy burdens that we feel that we are carrying into this new time. And so we take a moment to lift those to you this morning. We also name people or situations that are weighing heavily on our hearts today. For those who are grieving, for those who are ill, for those who are awaiting test results or news. And we lift up our community here in Noblesville, our congregation, for our nation, and for our world. Lord, send your spirit of peace and light and life to all places and people that are hurting. And Lord, may we continue to be your hands and feet in big and small ways. We will continue to be converted or changed and transformed over and over again by your grace. This we ask in the name of Jesus, who teaches us to pray by saying together, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, 
on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. A lot of times we forget that Judas was at the communion table, right? Someone who Jesus knew very well that had a change of heart and decided to betray him. Yet he was there. He was there. And so as we challenge ourselves to continue to be changed in positive ways, we are invited to the table wherever we are on the journey. And so I'd invite you to remember today the story that we all know so well, yet we hear over and over again as if it was new to us, that Jesus shared a special meal with his friends. And at that meal, he took bread, he gave thanks, he blessed it, and he then broke it and said, take and eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. He also took the cup. He gave thanks to God. He blessed it. Then he passed it to his friends, and he said, drink from this, all of you. This is the blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for all for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in remembrance of me. Let us pray. Oh God, we ask that you would pour out your Holy Spirit upon each of us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and cup. May they be for us the body and blood of Christ, that we may be redeemed people sent out into the world to share the good news with someone else. Transform us, O God, from the inside out, that your grace may go before us and renew us each day. This we pray. Amen. Our table is an open table, which means you can come. You don't have to be a member of this church or any church. You just need to come forward with an open heart, ready to receive these gifts that God gives to us. And make sure to take a moment to drop your connection card in the basket, as well as any offering you may have this morning. Spend some time at the prayer railing, light a candle, however you want to spend this sacred moment. To be in God's presence is up to you. So come, the table is open.
God, send his sanctifying grace upon all of you as you go forth to transform the world, to make disciples of Jesus Christ. Know and embrace that sanctifying grace to help you to do the work you are called to do. Amen. <coughs>
Doggone girl. Oh my goodness. 